What store did April drive a riding lawnmower through? Answer at the end of the episode. Fred Anowitz. Hey, Tom. Hey, I wanted to meet my wife. Hi, I'm Wendy. How's it for? Hi, you're Tom's wife. Uh, don't hold it against me. <laughs> Look at how hot she is. Isn't that crazy? And she's a surgeon. She makes a ton of money. Bam! Hello! Welcome to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. This is episode number 14, being recorded Tuesday, May 18th, 2021. Today I will be discussing Mark Brendanowicz and Wendy Haverford. If you'd like to contact me, you can email the show at citizensofpawnee at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at citizensofpawneepodcast, as well as at parksrecmemes. New episodes drop every Wednesday morning and can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Uh, first off, wanted to start with an update on last week's uh, Park Rec's, Parks Rec Memes Tournament. For this one, I started off uh, part one of two or possibly three, and this tournament is going to be best physical joke of the show. Um, so yeah, I uh, I wanted to... I came up with this idea that we, I was doing a different one and someone, or, or I had pointed out how the physical comedy on this show was just so hysterical. So I came up with the idea, why not do that? And as I'm adding, you know, I'm putting out these tournaments and I only do 16 at a time, I'm getting a lot of messages from other people like, oh, what about this one? What about this one? A lot that I forgot or that I just didn't have room to do. So then I was like, you know what, I'm going to do another one. So I'm on part two right now. And then possibly uh, I might do another three. But uh, part one is the one that wrapped up, and the best physical joke for that bracket, the winner was Ron Swanson's fireball at the Little Sebastian Memorial. So if you're unfamiliar with that, when they were having the uh, the, the memorial service after Little Sebastian had died, um, Leslie sent Jerry to go get uh, propane for uh, a big you know, candle thing that they were going to light. And he ended up getting lighter fluid because they were out of propane. So when Ron went to go light it, you just saw like in the background, like this gigantic fireball go up. And then that leads to the famous scene of Ron talking to Jerry right after that. And Ron has no eyebrows and like part of his mustache and the front part of his hair is just like singed off. And it's absolutely hysterical. So I, yeah, like I said, I had so much fun putting this together, just like going through and looking at these and then remembering the scenes and just laughing so hard. Some of the examples, uh, just to kind of spice it up a little bit here, give you some examples. Um, Andy wrestling a possum, uh, Jerry falling into the creek while trying to retrieve his burrito and breaking his shoulder, Purd happily doing the worm, one of my favorites. Leslie and Mark, uh, two different entries, both of them falling into the pit. And one of my favorites, actually, a kind of underrated one is the hospital fight. In that episode, The Wall, in season 16, when they go to break the wall down in between Eagleton and Pawnee, and they find out that there's a beehive inside of there and it starts stinging everyone. So Leslie goes to the hospital to check on some of the Eagletonians, actually. And Jeremy Jam is one of, if not, the only Pawnee who got stung by bees. So it's just convenient for the, the Eagleton press when they come in and see that all the patients that were hurt by the bees are mostly Eagletonian. So um, yeah, the, the reporters come in and they just start being dicks and then jams in there and he actually kind of stands up for Leslie and he starts fighting with Mike Patterson, I believe it is, who's one of the, the 
like the sleazy reporters from Eagleton. And it just turns into like, it's a quick scene and it, le- it, it ends with the, the famous mother puncher after Leslie gets accidentally punched right in the face by another Eagletonian reporter. But I just, I thought it was so funny just how quickly this escalated and the fact that it's in a hospital and then you start seeing the nurse or one or two of the nurses in there, they kind of start getting in on it too. Like they start shoving and throwing stuff back. So that was, yeah, just a very underrated one. And then another one real quick, and this is one of the finalists for the uh, part two that's going on right now. And is uh, Ted Party Day. Now, this is the one, the the episode that had Patton Oswald in it, where him and Leslie went off and they were kind of living like, uh, like pilgrims almost, you know, churning butter and everything. That's when Leslie thought that she could outlast this guy. But in the beginning of the episode is when you see a mob of people right in front of a small lake. And they're all yelling, Ted, Ted, Ted. And they got this guy up on their shoulders and he's complete. He's like screaming, not screaming, but he's like, no, I don't want to do this. He's like, I, I, I can't even swim. I think he says that. But then it cuts away and Leslie explains what's going on. So um, much like the Boston Tea Party, Pawnee had, or maybe they were going off of the Boston Tea Party. I don't remember. But anyway, it, it the two match up because in the Pawnee Charter, they had talked when they were talking about dumping tea into the lake. It was written, you know, in like old school kind of cursive. So the A at the end of T, the tail was not the tail. The, the top, I guess, of the A went up too far. So it looked like a cursive Ted. And now even Leslie points out that she knows that this was a like a grammatical error in the charter, but they never changed it. And so they just live with that tradition where every year on uh, Ted Day, they pick a guy named Ted from Pawnee and they bring him over and they dump him in the lake because it says, and then in the charter, instead of dump tea in the lake, it technically does say dump Ted in the lake. And what's so funny about this to me is the fact that like, especially after the fact the next day or later on in the day, whenever the guy comes back or he comes to the, the Pawnee uh, parks department and he starts kind of bitching at Leslie about this. He's like, this is, this is BS. And I just love that he says, I've talked to the other Ted's in town. We're not doing this anymore. So I love that these Ted's, it's like, I was trying to think what this would be like. And it's almost like purge day for the people who just hide out for 24 hours, you know, so they don't get killed or they don't have to participate. I can imagine all the Ted's in Pawnee hiding in their closets or under beds or whatever, just like living in fear for those 24 hours. But so yeah, they just and then the the whole physical part of that when they throw the guy into the lake and it's just it's so good. I mean, he just he he completely does like a front flip into the into the water. Yeah, it's so good. So anyway, um, and then as far as Parks Rec memes, uh, I just wanted to thank everyone, uh, anyone who's listening to this who did subscribe or who does follow me on that page. Uh, recently or earlier this week, I did get to 30,000 followers. I hate to say followers, though, so let's say subscribers. So thank you to everyone who um, follows me on Parks Rec Memes. I do have an email, so I'll go ahead and read that real quick. Okay, this one says... To fellow Pawnian, hi, I'm Ananya from India. I'm so glad that I know someone who has the same love for parks and recreation since it's literally my comfort show. Just like every other fan, I've watched it a billion times and I still can't get enough of it. I'm so glad I found your podcast and now I can get more into the series. 
I just want to say that ironically, your voice and the way you talk sounds very similar to Adam Scott. And it's funny that he's your favorite character in the series. Eh, I'm pretty sure you get this a lot, but that stuck me the most and I find it really cool. I hope to see more of your content soon and I love listening to it. Parks and Recreation is the wholesomest series there is, and I'm glad you started this podcast, and I certainly always enjoy those memes. All the best for your future endeavors. Sending love from India. Thank you so much, uh, Nanya. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, the part you said about Adam Scott, very flattering. Thank you. Yes, as most of you know who listen to the show, uh, Ben Wyatt is my favorite character. Uh, you did say I'm pretty sure you get this a lot. I have never gotten that before, so thank you for that compliment. Um, I did one time, I was told by a girl that I looked like Justin Timberlake, and that was pretty awesome, but then my best friend Mike told me that I look more like John Lovitz, so then that brought me back down to earth, but <laughs> anyway, good stuff. Uh, also, one of the things, this is going to segue me into my next uh, section, I guess, I don't know. But anyway, in the email, she does say that Parks and Rec is the wholesomest show. And while I agree it is up there among the best, I've got to tell you folks about a show that I just completed. It is not Rutherford Falls because I talked about that last week. I'm talking about a show called Ted Lasso. So Ted Lasso stars Jason Sudeikis as a former football coach who was hired to run a Premier League soccer team. I apologize to anyone pretty much out of the United States. We call it soccer. You all know that. I know we're idiots. It, it is kicked with a, your foot, obviously, so it should be football like the rest of the world. But anyway, so um, excuse my ignorance, but I call it soccer. So anyway, um, yeah, this my, my cousin Tim actually texted me last week, and he asked if I had seen this show. And this is a show that I have heard really good things about, and I love Jason Sudeikis. I think he's a great actor, both you know, serious and comedy, mostly comedies. But I told my cousin, no, I, you know, like what I just said, I had heard really good things, and I told him I would check it out. So later that night, actually, I just had some free time, and I watched the first episode. There are 10 episodes in this series, and all the episodes are right around 30 minutes. Not like 30 minutes uh, TV time, which would cut it down to 22 minutes. This is an actual... 30-minute show. The episodes are on Apple Plus, I believe, so a little harder to find because Apple Plus is obviously it's pretty exclusive only to Apple. Well, I mean, you could get it, but you know what I mean? So it's not super easy to find. And anyway, so I watched the first episode and I was hooked immediately. This show is just yeah, again, bringing back the wholesome thing. That's what my cousin told me. He's like, it's very heartwarming. And it is, it's, it's definitely, it's an adult show. There's a lot of swearing in it. There's some uh, sex, no nudity, but like implied sex more so. But yeah, you just, uh, the, if, if anyone has seen the movie Major League, the old baseball movie about the Cleveland Indians, it has a similar story to that because there is um, a female owner who takes over the team and is, for whatever reason, they have different reasons in the, in the movie and the show, but they're trying to purposely tank the team. So that's why she hired uh, Ted Lasso, who was, I believe, a former college football coach, but he knows absolutely nothing about soccer. So that's why he was hired. And that would be one of the only, uh, for me, one of the, the things that it doesn't really make sense about the show is just the whole logistics behind that. While the city, um, you know, for, for the soccer team, they know that this guy sucks and he doesn't know anything about soccer. 
they don't know the owner's uh, motives behind hiring him, but you would think that people would kind of catch on to that because he was a successful football coach, but obviously soccer is so much different and he has no idea what's going on and knows nothing about soccer. But again, just, I, I, I can't get too much into it. I mean, like, it's not like there's a ton of spoilers. This is a pretty simple show to watch. Like I said, it's only 10 episodes, 30 minutes each, but I was smiling for so much of the show because while it is very funny, the story's good and the characters are very likable, most of them. And um, yeah, so definitely I think Ted Lasso is a show that you guys should all check out if you're really, if you're feeling down, actually, that's what I told my brother. It's like, if you're ever feeling down, you got to check this show up because it will definitely cheer you up. Um, just a couple more things real quick. The show is currently sitting at 8.7 out of 10 on IMDb. New season starts July 23rd. I don't know why I'm telling you this stuff. I'm not, I'm really, I'm not promoting for Apple Plus. I just thought this is such a great show and I, I really think you guys would enjoy it. And um, my final rating for the show, I would give it a nine. I would, I would like to go 10 because I enjoyed the show so much, but there's, there's, it's hard to give anything a 10. Parks and Recreation is an easy 10, however. Okay, so that's what I got for some housekeeping. Let's get into these characters. We're going to go ahead and start off with Wendy Haverford. Played by Jama Williamson, appears in 11 episodes. Her first episode is Rock Show. Last episode, Ron and Tammy Part 2. When the show starts, Wendy is the wife of Tom Haverford. The two met in college and got married as a green card arrangement, as she is a Canadian citizen. Once the arrangement is up, the two are immediately divorced. This marriage was very much all business as we never saw the two intimate with each other. Wendy is a very successful surgeon, which Tom uses to his advantage because it adds to his swagger since he has a gorgeous, successful, wealthy wife, even though it's basically a sham and there's no real love or feelings in the relationship. Wendy seems like a prop for Tom until we realize their arrangement is strictly for legal purposes. After their divorce, Wendy goes on to date Ron Swanson for a short time, which I will get to soon. Okay, so again, Wendy is only in 11 episodes, and she doesn't have a huge impact on the show besides, um, I don't, I don't want to sound like misogynistic, but she is basically just Tom's wife and then Ron's girlfriend. She doesn't really do anything significant otherwise. So um, here we go. So season one, Wendy is introduced in the episode Rock Show. Andy's band is playing their first show since his cast were removed, so the Parks crew are there to support him. Tom introduces Wendy how he always does, telling others that she's a surgeon and that she's successful and hot, to which most yeah, to which people are just confused that she is with him, especially Mark Brandanowicz, as you heard uh, in the intro to the show. Season two. In the episode Practice Date, the Parks Department are playing a game on who can dig up the most dirt on their co-workers. It is here that we find out that the green, uh, sorry, it is here that we find out about the green card marriage. However, Ron is the only one who knows at this point. Ron even tells Tom, I knew it. I knew you couldn't land a wife that hot. Ron agrees not to tell anyone though, as Tom has now found out that Ron is the alter ego of saxophone playing Duke Silver. So the two kind of hold this over each other as leverage. In the episode, Greg Pakaitis, Wendy and Tom show up to Anne's otherwise boring Halloween party and totally spice it up. They tell everyone to clear all the furniture out of the living room and turn it into a dance floor. Later in the night, 
Wendy thanks Ron for his discretion about the green card marriage. She tells Ron that her and Tom will be able to divorce soon without drawing any red flags. She doesn't know, though, that Tom is hiding his upset feelings. In the episode Tom's Divorce, Leslie is sent up to the fourth floor at City Hall to run an errand. While up there, she sees Tom and Wendy leaving the divorce filings court. Leslie, having no idea that this is a green card marriage, begins to console Tom, thinking he was dumped. Leslie and the Parks Department take Tom out to dinner and drinks to try and cheer him up. While out, Ron asks Tom if he can ask Wendy out on a date. Tom says it's fine, but is visibly upset. After many drinks, Tom tells Leslie about Ron's request and she gets angry with Ron. After even more drinks, Tom passes out and Leslie and Ron bring him to his house where Wendy is on a date with another man. Leslie is shocked and storms out after expressing her disgust with both Wendy and Ron. Finally, the next morning, Tom admits to Leslie that it was a green card marriage. Tom moves out of Wendy and his house in the episode Sweetums, which that's a good episode. It, the Parks crew helping Tom move. And Mark is actually the one that Tom asks if he he's like, hey, hey, you have a moving truck, right? And I love it so much because you hear uh, like there's a talking head and Mark is just like, I boop and hate having a truck because that's that's how it is. I mean, like if you have a truck, like a nice pickup truck, you are doomed to be asked to help move all the time. So uh, maybe a sedan next time, Mark. In the episode Galentine's Day, Tom invites Wendy to his office to try and woo her back, but she instantly rejects him. Being petty, Tom attempts. I said, I have it written down being petty, comma, Tom. So it's like I'm Tom Petty. <laughs> being petty, Tom attempts to sue her for alimony in an attempt to blackmail her into going on a date with him. He eventually drops the suit and the two hug it out and then part ways. At the very end of the episode, Freddy Spaghetti, it is revealed that Ron and Wendy are sleeping together as Ron is wearing his after sex outfit, which is a red polo shirt. Wendy enters the room and her and Ron kiss. Tom sees the whole thing and is crushed, even though he is in a new relationship with Lucy. Season three. In the episode, Go Big or Go Home, Ron and Andy volunteer to be coaches for the youth basketball teams. Tom refs this game and starts making bogus calls against Ron's team once he sees that Wendy has shown up to support her new boyfriend. Wendy and Ron both call Tom out for being childish. And finally, in the episode Ron and Tammy Part 2, Wendy tells Ron that she is moving back to Canada and even asks him to come with. He mockingly laughs at her, then politely declines. And the two break up, and we never see Wendy Haverford again. So, Shirt Universe, we've got a winner. I guess that's how I'll say it. Jama Williamson played the demon Val in eight episodes of The Good Place, and also appeared as Rachel in the episode The Audit on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I can't speak to her Brooklyn Nine-Nine performance, but um, I am very familiar with The Good Place as I just got done watching the, uh, or I went through another rewatch. She has kind of a small role on that too, but it's funny because she's usually in the scenes she's in, she is associated with or usually next to uh, uh, Evan Mark Jackson, I believe that's his name. I know it's those three words. I believe it's that combination of Mark, Mark Evan Jackson. That's what it is. Mark Evan Jackson. He plays 
uh, the lawyer on Parks and Rec, uh, Dr. Saperstein's lawyer, Trevor, Trevor, will oh, I am so bad right now. Anyway, he plays the one that's trying to get rent a swag from Tom. And um, yeah, so she's on scene with him a lot. He is, He also has a big role in The Good Place. So, all right. My favorite scene with Wendy Haverford is that scene I just talked about. Actually, both of these here will be scenes I just talked about as there's not a ton to go on off of with Wendy. So my favorite scene would be when Tom tries to blackmail her with the alimony case and she basically tells him to go shove it. She it's it is it's kind of she she comes into the office and he's got a bottle of champagne. And he's trying to woo her, you know, he's trying to be all like, hey, how about some wine or how about some champagne? And she's like, well, I have surgery in an hour. You know, just the way she talks to him is kind of like, what the hell? You know, like we're, we're done with the, this. That's it. It was a green card marriage. We're done. I don't want any more of this. So Tom is still trying to get her back. And she's just basically telling him, no, you know, thanks for everything you did. I'm not interested. I'm moving on. And then my favorite line which was actually in the intro of the show. That's when she's introduced to Mark. Uh, he is baffled and asks, you're Tom's wife, to which she replies, yes, don't hold it against me. Okay, moving on to Mark Brendanowicz, played by Paul Schneider. The character was born January 11th, 1975 in Pawnee, Indiana. First episode, pilot. Last episode, Freddy Spaghetti. He appears in 30 episodes. Uh, real quick, yeah, so Mark is in the season. He is a main character from season one all the way through till the very end of season two, and then that's when his tenure on the show ends, but I will get to that. So Mark Brendanowicz was a city planner for Pawnee. Once excited about this career, Mark eventually found out that most of this line of work is very mundane and not as exciting as he had anticipated. Because of this, Mark has a much more critical view of the government and how it works. Mark slept with Leslie Nope on one occasion, and as a result, Leslie harbored romantic feelings for six years. He does not reciprocate these feelings. Uh, in fact, he barely remembers it happening. Here is a clip. We slept together. Leslie? No. Oh my God. You know what? Yeah, we did like five years ago. I sort of, <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, we did. The character of Mark Brandanowicz is disliked by many people. Um, by that, I mean like the fans of the show mostly. He was always kind of a fan, not favorite. And I'll get back, uh, actually I'm just a sidebar here real quick. My personal opinion of Mark Brandanowicz he is very douchey and it seems, and I'll, I'll get to, I'll explain later I'll, or I'll go read in a little interview with some quotes about why he left the show, but I kind of understand why he did as I was watching through and kind of like studying this character more for this episode. They do, they see, it's like every time they start putting, putting Mark in a nice direction, like making him seem more humanized, they'll like the next episode, they'll bring him down. And um, I'll kind of get to this, but just a quick example is like season five after the banquet, he goes out with Tom and there's a bunch of like hot girls there and he's just uninterested. He's bored with them because he doesn't want this anymore, like his his player lifestyle. But then the next episode, he's drunk and like kind of creepily hits on Leslie. So it's like they're backtracking. So I, I kind of understand why he was upset. But anyway, 
He has a very self-absorbed personality and is portrayed as a player, meaning he has lots of meaningless sexual trysts that go nowhere, in case any of you needed to know what a player is. <laughs> After an encounter with the pit, he starts to become more redeemable, but not necessarily more likable in season two when he starts dating Ann Perkins. Okay, so let's start with season one. Mark is introduced in the pilot episode when Leslie comes to him for advice about Lot 38, Lot 48, I'm sorry. He tells her flat out that he thinks the project would never happen due to how the government works. Her optimism and, enthousi her optimism and enthusiasm are undeterred, though. Leslie tells us right away that she and Mark made love five years ago. When asked by the camera crew, Mark at first says no, then recollects and remembers that they did sleep together years back, as you just heard as I stated in his bio. Later in the episode, Tom Haverford and April Ludgate mock Leslie and share photos of her falling into the pit. When Mark is approached with the pictures, he takes them from Tom and walks away. He talks about how impressed he is that Leslie somehow maintains her passion for the job. In a move that, in a move that many fans seem to forget, Mark goes to Ron Swanson, who was at the time the director of the Pawnee Park Service, and asks him to give Leslie Lot 48. When Ron is apprehensive, Mark tells Ron that he is going to cash in a favor that Ron owes him. So Mark is kind of the one who got the ball rolling for Leslie in the first place. Uh, again, he is kind of a douchey character, but he is the one essentially who got this whole thing going because it looked like in that first episode that, that Leslie's idea was going to go nowhere because she was kind of a nobody. But yeah, Mark is the one who cashed in, quote, a favor. Now, we are never told exactly what this favor was or why Ron owes Mark a favor, but a theory I came across is that, and this kind of makes sense, though it's, it's still never explained, Mark was one of the first, if not the first person in the Parks crew that knew that um, Ron Swanson was Duke Silver. So he holds that in, and maybe that's the information. Maybe that's why Ron owes him, but pretty good theory. However, we don't know if it's true. In The Reporter... Leslie invites Shauna Malway-Tweep to the Parks Department to interview her about the new project. Shauna interviews Andy Dwyer about him previously falling in the pit, and when he says he was drunk, red flags are immediately raised, as Andy hadn't told anyone this previously. The interview is looking bad, so Leslie calls upon Mark for help smoothing it over. So he talks to Shauna, and the two are seen leaving together without Leslie's knowledge. The next morning... Leslie is set to do a follow-up interview at the pit, and when Shauna shows up, Leslie is clueless and confused at first, as Mark is the one who drops her off. Shauna appears tired and a little unkept, as, and she is wearing the same outfit she had on the day before, implying that her and Mark slept together. When Leslie finally realize this, realizes this, she becomes visibly upset and starts giving short answers to Shauna. After the interview, Leslie confronts Mark and tries giving him the business, and he tells her she's being a huge dork. She tells him she can't have this kind of behavior on her subcommittee, which Mark joined recently, and so he resigns. I, I do like this part with Mark because, I mean, yeah, him and Leslie are not a couple. And yeah, it probably was a little unprofessional for him to sleep with Shauna since they're, she's doing an interview on the parks department. But yeah, when because Leslie, she's jealous. She's still harboring these feelings at the time for him. So when she brings this up, I just like how... She's like, well, you know what? Then I, I don't want you on my subcommittee. And he's just like, fine. Like, who cares? Like to him, it's probably just like, yeah, one less stupid thing I have to do. So 
I just kind of like that he doesn't try to explain it to her. He has nothing to explain. So, okay. Um, later, after another interview with Leslie and Shauna, it is discovered that Mark told Shauna off the record that the park would never happen. He tells Leslie that he had just said it in the heat of the moment and didn't mean it. He also thought he was off the record, which I just said. He is then reinstated to the subcommittee. In the episode Boys Club, we see a glimpse of Mark's lifestyle when a social media site is made for Lot 48 and Mark is one of the site's friends. All of his pictures are with scantily clad women. After Leslie and Anne start to give him a hard time about the pictures, it seems like Mike that it seems like Mark might be a little embarrassed based on his body language and tone. In the banquet, Mark shows signs of maturity and change when he goes out to a club with Tom, but shockingly, he decides to leave in the middle of a conversation with some beautiful young women, saying the girls just weren't interesting. In Rock Show, the gang all show up to a bar to see Scarecrow Boat, which is Andy's band at the time, perform. Mark, however, is the only one without a date and is really starting to question his life choices. He tries hitting on Anne, who is pissed at Andy, and she rudely shoots him down. Love this scene, too, because, like I just said before, and of course this is the episode I was talking about, right before that they kind of made Mark seem sympathetic by leaving, and it's just like, oh, maybe he's changing, and then here, yeah, he can see that Anne is pissed off at Andy, so he's trying to hit on her. And her response is just great. She's like, you know what? I don't appreciate what's going on right now. And she just kind of calls him out. She's like, you're a sleaze bag, and I want nothing to do with you. And he just kind of starts walking away like, okay, got it, got it, got it. Like, she she just won't let up, and it's it's really good scene. Later at the pit, Leslie and Mark, who are both intoxicated, share a kiss. When Leslie pulls away, though, Mark stumbles backwards and falls into the pit. So Mark is the second person we see fall in the pit. We saw Leslie fall into the pit in the first episode. And though we know that Andy fell into the pit probably numerous times, we never see him fall into the pit. There's one scene where we see him fleeing and he kind of jumps in, but it's like just from the top view. So we see his body and then it's just gone when he gets into the pit. But with Mark and Leslie, you actually, the camera pans them as they tumble and flip down the, down the pit. Very good physical comedy. Season two, in the episode Pawnee Zoo, we find out that Anne was Mark's primary nurse after he fell into the pit. She said he has actually turned into a nice person and not his usual chauvinistic self. Mark even asked Anne out, but she declined out of respect to Leslie. Later, Anne tells Leslie about Mark asking her out, and Leslie said that it's fine if they go out, that she's basically over him by now. However, you do find out, I, I didn't really talk about it through Mark's series, but real quick, Leslie does like the, her feelings for him. They slowly start to taper off. In the stakeout, Anne and Mark go on their first date. That's all I got for that one. In the episode practice date, when the gang is playing a game of who can dig up the most dirt on their coworker, Mark tells Jerry that his adoptive mother was once arrested for marijuana possession. Jerry never knew that about his mom. He also never knew he was adopted. <laughs> One of the greatest scenes in the entire series, and I believe I talked about it in Jerry's episode. I might have even played the clip where, yes, he Mark walks in and Jerry's like, hey, I, know, I heard you've got an unpaid parking ticket. And then Mark just comes back with, yeah, well, your adoptive mother was a, arrested for marijuana possession. 
And he's like, bet you didn't know that. And the whole, everyone's like, ooh, like hooting and hollering. And he's like, I didn't know I was adopted. And Mark's face just immediately, it goes from like, uh, like, let's say like, if you're looking at a clock, it goes from like a noon to a six. Like he's smiling and then it just like, ooh, like immediately goes down. He's like, oh, Jerry, I'm so sorry. I am so, so sorry. And Terry's like, I didn't want to play. I told you guys. So, okay. Um, Mark then later in the night shows up at Anne's house and starts confessing all of the bad things he's done so that she wouldn't find out from someone else. Anne appreciates the gesture, even though at first she kind of thinks he's bragging, but then eventually she realizes that he's being genuine and he really wants their relationship to work out. In Kaboom, Leslie finally decides to just fill in the pit at lot 48 after Mark had pulled her aside and told her to just go ahead and do it and to worry about the consequences later. See, more like this. Mark, while he's got some sleazy characteristics, there are some good things about him. He is the one, he's one of the biggest driving forces behind Leslie to get her to do this pit when you think about it. You know, he got Ron to give her the lot. And then right now he just tells Leslie, just do it, which she does. Well, it was that they start to fill it in actually. And that's when they they dump the, the dirt on Andy who's in the pit, but it eventually gets filled in. So we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. In the episode, Greg Pakaitis, we get a glimpse of what Anne's nurse friends think of Mark as they keep trying to sabotage him by asking him out on dates and seeing if he'll take the bait. They also tell Mark how much they loved Andy's ex-boyfriend. This is at uh, Anne's Halloween party. And yeah, her nurse friends, they keep going up. They're like, hey, uh, you know, like one after another, literally. It's like, hey, you want to go back to my place? And uh, we'll, we'll continue the party there. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm dating Anne. And then, you know, she's like, oh. Nice. Good call. Good call. And then like the next one will come up and ask like basically the same exact thing. And he's like, what the, like, you know, he's kind of pissed off. So in the episode, Ron and Tammy, Mark is starting to get annoyed with Andy who keeps showing up wherever Ann and Mark are as they are all now working in the, the city hall building at this time. Andy keeps telling, or maybe they're not. I'm sorry. Let me backtrack. Maybe not yet. But anyway, Andy is the shoe shiner at this time, and Anne is there visiting Mark all the time. So I don't believe she has gotten the job there yet. Andy keeps telling Mark that he is still in love with Anne and that he will not stop pursuing her. Tom advises Mark to take the high road, which he does, knowing that Andy isn't a real threat. When a mural in City Hall is defaced, all of the departments in the building are assigned to come up with an idea for a new mural. When the parks department can't agree on any of their own, Mark decides to quickly draw a picture of a nice park with a man sitting on a bench. It's boring and bland, but Mark assures them it'll win. Even Ron walks by and says, that's good, it'll win. A uh, little side note here about that painting. While they don't use it, the parks crew ends up just using the, the terrible ones that they all made and they just make a, a conglomerate. And that's when I believe Mark calls it a camel. I forgot what the definition of, but it's just like a, a hot mess, basically. You can see the if you pay attention, and it took me a while. I didn't catch this for, through for like a bunch of uh, rewatches. But on Ron's wall... There's a lot of times you can see him talking to someone and you can see that painting that Mark made hanging on his wall. And it pretty much, I believe it stays there throughout the tenure of the series, at least while, while Ron's in that office. So I thought that was kind of cool because I remember on the Parks Rec memes page, I, I pointed that out one day and I was like, oh my God, look at that. Look at this Easter egg. And everyone's like, yeah, dude, it's in every episode. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Not every episode, but yeah, you, it, it's pretty visible. In the episode, Tom's Divorce, 
Andy still continues to pursue Anne. The group is out at a bar and Andy challenges Mark to a game of pool. Finally, after much badgering, Mark agrees and repeatedly beats Andy in pool. The final game starts with a wager. If Andy wins, he gets Anne. If Mark wins, Andy will leave them alone for good. Mark has an easy win coming until he scratches on the eight ball, making Andy the winner. However, Anne leaves with Mark anyway, and Andy is genuinely confused. The next day, he approaches the couple and tells them that he will no longer be bothering them and basically just gives like a final goodbye to Anne. Not like he's leaving the show, but just a, you are free from my clutches. We are introduced to Anne's old college friend, Justin, in the episode, The Setup. Mark begins to grow suspicious that Anne has feelings for Justin, saying that she's saving him for whenever she feels the need to date him. Sorry. He feels this way because Anne keeps giving dumb answers when he asks why she won't set Justin and Leslie up. She finally gives Leslie Justin's number at the end and apologizes to Mark, realizing that she was being kind of mm, suspicious, I guess. In the episode Galentine's Day, Anne and Mark spend their first Valentine's Day together. Everything is going well, seemingly, but something about Anne shows that she may be getting bored with Mark as he annoyingly keeps asking things like how he's doing as a boyfriend. Also, Anne seems distracted by the budding relationship of April and Andy. The thing with Mark is that, yeah, he, for on the back half of season two, he he's constantly like, hey, uh, would, a, would a bad boyfriend do something like this? And then he'll like show her something good that he did. Or, hey, you know, I'm kind of killing it as this boyfriend, aren't I? Oh, you know, I, not those exact quotes, but yeah, he just keeps annoyingly pointing out that like they're dating and uh spoiler i'll get to it soon after ann breaks up with him she kind of it's a good point she's just like you thought this relationship was so great because you've never been in a meaningful relationship or at least in a long long time so yeah everything that he keeps asking her is almost like he's insecure and he wants to make sure he's doing a good job with this relationship but it gets very annoying in the episode, The Possum, things get heated between Mark and Ron as Ron has planned an expansion on his wood shop, but needs the approval by Mark, who is the city planner. When Mark tells Ron that he needs an inspection, Ron is apprehensive and claims that everything is up to code. However, when Mark arrives for the inspection, he finds many violations, such as an expired fire extinguisher, which when activated projects some sort of red sludge and a pile of oil-soaked rags sitting above a wood-burning fireplace. After a heated argument about the violations, Mark takes a half day off and helps Ron get his shop up to code. In return, Ron builds Mark a wooden canoe. A very sweet canoe, by the way. In Summer Catalog, Tom is put in charge of taking pictures for the annual Summer Catalog for the Pawnee Parks and Rec Department. He asks Ann and Tom to be his models, and they agree, since they have no actual photos together. However, Mark becomes concerned when there are no good pictures of Ann. She can't seem to look happy with Mark. She insists everything is fine, but Mark doesn't seem convinced. Yeah, all the pictures Tom's taking, Mark has a nice smile, and Ann has, like, some sort of a smile, but it's almost like she looks like she crapped her pants. Like, it's like a uh, kind of smile, so, like... Her mouth is smiling, but like the rest of her face isn't. And yeah, it's kind of funny, actually, because Tom, who is like obsessed with Anne, 
he keeps kind of telling her, he's like, how are you the problem with this? How, you know, like Mark's doing a great job. You're terrible at this. And even Mark is like, they're, they're looking at the pictures, like on the camera, he's showing them back to them. And she can't explain. She's like, I don't know. Nothing's wrong. And Mark really like he, based on his face, you can tell that he thinks something's up and something is coming. So in the episode telethon, Mark tells Leslie that he plans on asking man, man, that he plans on asking Anne to marry him. She suggests that he do it on live TV for the telethon, telethon to try and raise a little extra money since Leslie is getting desperate for material at that point. However, a little after, Anne pulls Leslie aside and tells her that she plans on ending things with Mark. Leslie has to quickly tell Mark not to propose on TV, but doesn't really give him a reason why. She just kind of starts freaking out and tells him, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. So, Anne and Mark are no longer a couple in the episode The Master Plan. The two broke up in between episodes, so we didn't see how she ended it or what was said. When they cut back to Anne, or at the beginning of the episode, she just says, I ended things with Mark, and I don't really want to talk about it. And that's all she says at that point. They do go out for coffee, though, to talk, and Anne reveals to Mark that she didn't have the same feelings for him as he did for her, and that couples are supposed to fight and miss each other when they're away from each other. And the relationship was very vanilla. In the series finale and Mark's final episode, we found out we find out that Mark was offered a job with a construction company and has accepted it. Later, after the Freddy Spaghetti episode, Leslie and Mark meet in the same place they did to close out season one, Lot 48. This time, however, they are both sober, and Mark thanks Leslie for everything she's done and gives her a blueprint for a park idea that he made up for her. The two say their goodbyes, and that's the end of Mark's story. Okay, so for Sure Universe, Paul Schneider does not appear in any of those other episodes. This is my favorite line from him. Recently, I had been thinking about maybe uh, leaving this job, but I felt like I needed a sign. And then Anne broke up with me the week that I was going to propose. The government got shut down. And yesterday, one of those pigeons took a on me. And I was indoors, so... My favorite scene from Mark is a pretty easy one. Probably a lot of people's favorite scenes with Mark. And that was just when he falls in the pit. It's, uh, again, the physical comedy is on point. And yeah, he does like a full head over feet, like a head over heels tumble, I guess. Like a, almost like a front flip tumble into the pit. Excellent work there by the stunt double. I'm guessing it's a stunt double. I found on IMDb a list from November of 2018, and it was the 30 worst television characters, and Mark Brandanowitz was number 13. That's just a little side one I wanted to throw in. Again, I don't hate Mark Brandanowitz. Actually, I think when I was before talking about my feelings on him, I never actually got them fully out. But yeah, he there are a lot of good things about Mark. Mark was, for the most part, in season one mostly, he was a very funny character. And one of another one of my favorite scenes actually from season one is what uh, the episode when they're canvassing and they're talking to a man about whether basically what they're what the two groups are doing. They're going house to house and they're asking for people to come support the, the city hall meeting about the lot 48 park. So they're talking to a gentleman on the side and he's he's carrying a bag of groceries and they're like, oh, yeah, would you be interested in this park? And he's like, oh, well, um, yeah. Are there going to be kids at the park? And like, yeah. 
It's like, okay, well, is it going to be at least uh, 500 feet from my house? You know, and then immediately, you know, like April and Ron, I think, pick it up. I don't know if Tom does or not, but the guy's like, yeah, because, uh, because you know, I can't be within 500 feet of a park. And he's just like, April, stand behind me. It's just kind of like they, they're slowly backing away from this creepy uh, pedophile. So, yeah, just, uh, you know, things like that that I really like about Mark. But again, where my downfall comes with him is in that second half of season two when him and Anne are dating. Actually, they date for the whole season pretty much. But yeah, in the second half when he starts getting very needy and like almost Tom-like. So, all right. I found this article about Paul Schneider's unexpected departure from the show. So here we go. In an interview with Screen Crush back in 2014, Schneider said his exit was down to creative differences. When asked why he left Parks and Recreation, he explained, quote, that experience was very strange for me. You know, I signed up for a specific character that was changed in mid-season, and it became a character with a lot less to do. And all of a sudden, I was kind of confused and kind of having a lot less to do. However, end quote. However, he did add how he thought the show really found its feet as it kept going. He added, quote, those guys are working on something that I have no idea how to captain that ship. And I was very happy for the experience to be involved. And those guys really figured out what is what it is that they're doing. I mean, decidedly, they have the bleeping first lady in the show, end quote. And that's a reference to Michelle Obama, who uh, appears in an episode uh, One Last Ride at the end of season six. That's not one last ride. I'm sorry. Moving up the end of season six. There was also initially a plan for the actor to return for future episodes of the show, according to co-creator Mike Schur. He told the LA Times in 2010, quote, the goal and the aim is to have him come back as soon as his schedule permits and as soon as the arcs we're writing call for it. We very much want him back. And he told us he very much wants to come back in the future. It really is one of those mutually beneficial situations, and we're hoping we can have him back in season three, end quote. Of course, this didn't happen on the show, and instead guest stars Rob Lowe and Adam Scott became a permanent part of the series, which, it, yeah, it was such a great upgrade as much as I did. Like Mark, for the most part, you can't, I, I actually did a meme a while back, and it was the picture of like a guy that's made of puzzle pieces, and at the top, it just says, sometimes all of all a person needs is that one last piece. And he's, he's holding a piece and I put the body as parks and recreation. And the piece he was holding was Mark and Chris, uh, you know, or not Mark and Chris, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> wow. Chris and Ben. Jeez. Okay. So anyway, that is going to wrap up this week's episode. Remember you can email me at citizens at gmail.com. Or head over to at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast and at Parks Rep Memes on Instagram. Again, please hit those up. Go ahead and subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday and can be found wherever you find your podcast. Next week, I will be discussing the Eagleton Doppelgangers, Tinnifer, Ron Dunn, and Craig Middlebrooks. Thanks again for listening to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll see you next week. What was the store that April drove a riding lawnmower through? The answer, Nordstrom's.